0: Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sobottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. Welcome to episode number 167 of the podcast. Today, we are joined by Dan Cottrell. Now, today's episode uh, is one that I didn't really expect where this was going to go. I thought we were going to talk a lot about coaching um, and different aspects of that. But what we took away from today's chat was so much more. Dan was simply amazing. And for the, a little bit of Dan's background, he's going to give that at the start, but he is a big-time coach and a superstar coach that presents all over the world and does so many amazing things. But the big lessons I took away from today that people can adapt into the classroom, at home, into the workplace is different ways to build culture being your authentic self life lessons of values we bring to all of those the power of sharing and how um we're the reflection of ourselves of the people we're around um and above all that what engagement means to dan and just a number of other different things that i was just listening taking so many notes and i didn't realize where this was going to go but the big thing for me and really what i want you to take away is that creating the right culture is the key um and that's when the magic can happen when you allow people or individuals or teams to have a really uh, great culture um, that engagement is built through um, and that it all flows on and I'm rambling now and I'm really sorry about that but I want you to listen to today's chat because Dan gives you so many wisdom bombs that can be applied to whatever you are doing. to the podcast I am super excited I've got Dan Cottrell here from the other side of the ditch how are you buddy
1: I'm very well, and I'm definitely on the other side of the ditch.
0: You definitely are. Now, uh, very excited here. We've been introduced by our uh, mutual friend, Craig Gunn, um, and we're having a little chat before about his energy. I'm excited to bring the energy today, but what I do want to talk about, we're going to get into, obviously, um, the awesome work you're doing now around coaching, engagement, and everything like that, but um, for listeners out there that may not be so familiar with everything you've done, Dan, do you want to give us a little bit of your upbringing? I know you've played rugby at a very high level and so forth like Do you want to paint a little bit of the picture for our audience?
1: Okay, I'll try and keep a very brief uh, picture. Uh, I played played good rugby. I didn't play uh, the top level, but I played um, some semi-pro rugby. So I had a bit of experience of uh, playing uh, with some good players and very lucky that I came across some of the iconic coaches of the time, including people like Brian Ashton, who uh, a lot of rugby coaches now uh, tip the hat to because he was ahead of his time. And interestingly, um, he would he would be one of the first to admit that when he was coaching, say, when I was experienced his coaching back in say 1993, he's changed a lot since then. So another guy, uh, again, just by sheer chance, with Dave Aldred. Uh, so some of you may have come across his book, The Pressure Principle, but he's famous for coaching Francesco Molinari in golf most recently, and then uh, Johnny Wilkinson. And again, he says he keeps changing his uh, his approach uh, the way he wants to coach his players and I think um, if I suppose I'm trying to give a pot of history of me but I'm thinking about some of the coaches I've come across and how I've learned a lot from them and one of the things I've learned from them is that they're always prepared to change and just rethink the way that they're doing and I, I know you Dale have uh, you, you yourself have done those sorts of things yourself and you're very Uh, big into things like we we were talking just before we came on here about uh, gamification. And I'm pretty sure that's um, a relatively new thing to you. So I suppose I could uh, bang the question back to you, uh and um, what inspired you to uh, look into those sorts of things.
0: Now, Dan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop that question and I'm going to answer it, but that's an amazing, for someone giving a bio of yourself, you've just mentioned two different coaches um, and then you've flipped the question back on me around game vacation. Is, is that something that you are, you don't like talking about yourself?
1: Um, well, Probably I uh, <laughs> some would say I do love talking about myself. <laughs> um, well, I suppose it's important to really to understand Uh, someone's background uh, to understand where they're coming from. So I I will say that um, i probably not always being very certain. Sometimes we have this idea of being the the imposter syndrome, never being uh, quite good enough to be in the room. And sometimes that's not a bad thing to have because Mm. otherwise you can be too arrogant. But sometimes I think you've got to carry yourself. And in front of people, you've just got to be uh, a bigger self than bigger Someone than you think you are. Otherwise, they can see through you. I mean, I've been in the classroom for a long time uh, in teaching. I've taught for twenty-five years as well, and the the kids they smell fear. And I know because I've been one of those kids who've seen a poor teacher come in and seen. <laughs> oh, I can I can get uh, get something out of this teacher. And uh, you, are you probably I don't know if you get these experiences, uh, and I still get them where you you you're asked a question or you're put in a situation and you suddenly think I'm not sure if I know the answer I'm not sure what's going to happen next and then you're mumbling or messing up the things that you're doing and this cold sweat down the back of your neck starts and those are quite those are quite fearful moments other times you're asked a question which you think God, I'm really excited about that <laughs> question and I want to really dig into it and that allows you to open up so Yes, uh, I think to go back to my potted history, which I probably haven't done, I, uh, I was brought up in the West Country, played my rugby mostly in the West Country, started out as an accountant after reading economics at university, then went into teaching, uh, got to become a director of rugby at uh, quite a good rugby school. And then when I was doing that, I started up a country magazine which we quickly made into a rugby coaching magazine. And that started in 2003 and sort of turned into Rugby Coach Weekly in around about 2005, 2006. And that's when I dropped, well I say dropped out of teaching, stopped teaching full-time and went into doing that. And been very lucky to coach various different sides, including my uh, son's team from under sixes. And coaching teaches you a lot about yourself, but also about your approach to coaching. but the other thing I've learned is that uh, when I'm up in front of coaches who are coaching other children or players, their situations are so different. And you can say one thing to one coach and they will really buy into it because you can see that the penny dropping and they think, yeah, this is the way forward. And another coach is going, uh, that doesn't apply to me. I'm not that sort of person. So it is, I think it's really difficult to stand up in a room full of coaches and say, try this. And get every single coach to follow that way and that in itself makes me very interested and sometimes quite scared um, and also made me think a lot makes me think a lot about uh, continued professional development um, the courses that we do and whether someone comes away from a course and you've entertained them and you give them some ideas but whether they'll be able to make a permanent change to what they do is a different thing so I spend, I suppose, I spend most of my time questioning what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, and then probably questioning other people. And sometimes that uh, people like to be questioned, and sometimes they find that they find that a little bit difficult themselves. And maybe over time, I've rubbed up a few people the wrong way because I <laughs> said, uh, "Why, why, why do you do that?" And sometimes you've got to ask the question in the right way. You've got to. Um, if uh, Gunny was listening in and uh, now he would be smiling or well, he'd probably be laughing now at this, but uh, you've got to use the idea that you've got to build a safe space to have a good conversation with somebody uh, because otherwise that person may not want to open up and may not want to give a little bit more of themselves than uh, you, they they would if the question is right so mm. that's a bit of the pot of history so Rugby Coach Weekly is my main job now and Coaching coaches, and uh, still uh, like to dabble a bit of economics because I enjoy teaching. So mm. there we are. I, that was about a 40-minute uh, ramble <laughs> on my yeah.
0: <laughs> no, no, it was very good. I know we'll get uh, we'll get back to maybe a little bit of gamification later as well and be able to answer that one for you, Dan. But one thing I do love about everything you've just mentioned there, there's so many little key takeaways, made, and, and the one I really do love is, that, like, when you talk about Rugby Coaching Weekly, I think how you have been able to adapt, how it has changed over the years. As you said, it started as a newsletter, went to a magazine. Mm. Now it's an, an amazing online Online resource. And you can go and check that out. I'll have links in the show notes. But one thing I do love about that is, and I think that comes down to coaching, like you just said, teaching in business at home or whatever. If you don't listen, if you don't learn and adapt to the changing environment, then you'll get left behind. And then that's that's sort of exactly what's happened with your storyline or your timeline from Rugby Coach Weekly, hasn't it? It's really just evolved as society and, and coaching and, and the population has evolved. I
1: think that's right. It's, uh, the interesting thing is when we started it off um, back in 2003, Google was very much um, a small part of our lives. We, we Yes, there were mobile phones. We did used to use websites. I think we were starting to use emails. You were probably about three and still in nappies <laughs> at the time. Uh, so uh, it, it, then the, the whole thing about Google uh, allowed us to reach out to an audience right across the world and that was that was really helpful for us and we were the first out there um in that sense and therefore we got a we got a good following and then others have come in and uh, it would it would in one way it'd be lovely if we were the only ones out there and i i'd be zimming around the world in uh, <laughs> in jets and that sort of thing i'm pl- i'm planting trees of course to offset offset my carbon footprint um, however competition is good i mean i teach economics teach a bit of business studies as well and competition is is healthy and you want to have that because it it makes you up your game and actually talking to coaches uh like like people like uh, gary gold or wayne smith they've often said that they're very happy to share what their their knowledge because it's coaching is not about what you know it's how you put it across and I mean, this is not uh, its not a love in this uh, podcast, but I know that one of the things uh, that you do extremely well is you take your knowledge and you put it across in, in lots of different ways. And that's that—that's what a lot of coaches miss. They think, uh, I've got the knowledge, but I don't know how to go out and then, then put it in front of people and how to engage, which is something I'm sure we're going to talk about, but not just engage, but then take it to the next stage. What then happens? And that... I think we, we've, we, I don't know exactly who's going to be listening to this uh, podcast, but there will be some people who are coaching day in, day out with children, students, um, professional players, every, every single day. And there's going to be others who are going to work, uh, coming home, uh, jumping in the car, going down to the uh, local sports ground and arriving with 30 kids, uh, some balls and uh, maybe a co-coach and then they're coaching and they get an hour, an hour and a half with the players and then uh, maybe a game on the weekend and they think they're going to be able to achieve what um, you and I would be able to achieve uh, because we're with these kids day in, day out. I I think that we've got to be very careful to make sure that coaches understand that there are enormous limitations to what they can do and part of that is the fact that uh, they've only got a short space of time and that, that is, that's a difficult one I think uh, for coaches to understand and where probably some of them go wrong.
0: Yeah, and it's so true, and I know when I talk a lot about this, Dan, that time is the most valuable resource we have, and too often we don't have enough of it. But the one thing I, I love about everything you just mentioned there before, and, and when you mention these high-profile coaches and people that you've worked with and admire and, and, and learned from, that it is all about sharing. Um, I too often see people like, no, nah, this is my idea. I don't want to share it. I don't want to give it away. But how important is sharing and bringing up people around you to make them better people, better coaches, better players? Um, how, that's one big area that you do. Then you make people around you bigger. How important is that for just anybody listening?
1: I think some of the people that I've, um, I've most admired often say that the thing they've enjoyed most is seeing someone move on. So my very first um, teaching job, uh, I was only in it for two years. And the headmaster said to me, uh, well, I'm abs- I've just seen this job come up. I think you should go for it. And I said, I've only been here for two, or, for a year or so. He says, well, no, the most important thing is that I see people move on. And I'm sure that we've all been in that situation where we said, thought to ourselves, here's a chance to see someone move to a better place. And uh, in, in the end, the most important thing about that is uh, is not to actually look for thanks, is to actually just feel yeah, I did that for myself. And I, the, one of the things which is fascinating me in, at the moment is this idea of extrinsic and intrinsic motivation and the way that we get a lot out of what we do. And sometimes we don't need to go out and celebrate it. We just need to feel warm inside about that. And so that's important. That's one of the things why I think we enjoy sharing. But one of the things that I think we we both get a lot out of sharing is by sharing, we open ourselves up. And then that person who we're sharing with might teach us something about what we've just said to them. Yeah. And that makes it that much more powerful that you can then say, yeah, I can see why that's working. Or alternatively, share something with them. And they go away and they completely do it in a different way. And you think, actually, uh, I shouldn't be worried that they do doing it a different way. I should be pleased. And that's a very difficult thing to do. Uh, obviously, um, people like Clive Woodward, which I know is, is a, he's a dirty word in Australia. <laughs> uh, one of the things that he's, and I, I did have a very, to drop a name, I had a very lucky chance to work with him. And I did a very intense four-month project with him. And one of the things you notice about being around him is, first of all, um, he gives and shares a lot. Uh, when when people see him commentating or um, talking on television, they don't see the real the real skill he's got, which is that he surrounds in people, surrounds himself with people who are better at things that he can't do. And uh, there's a very good book out there um, called "Good to Great" by Jim Collins and again the it's all about businesses growing and becoming successful and they are invariably the CEO employs people who are better than him Uh, but what they do is they take the flack they are the ones who take it on the chin if things don't go wrong and therefore they can be very supportive so sharing is a wonderful thing and it's it can be a very difficult thing to do certainly from a business point of view And I'm sure that you've come across this as well, is that we've all got a lot of content and we've got to we've got to pay the mortgage. So we have to we have to sell some of it. Yeah. Uh, But also it's very important to share it as well, because if it's not shared, then people don't hear about it. And also we've we're not just in it to. Uh, be a business we're in it because we love it and we love the things which come out of it we love the people that are surrounded by it and we love a load of the outcomes that that can come from it I mean you it's not just you come out of one session and you see everyone leaping around and high-fiving and um, shaking by the hand it's it's two years later it's three years later when you bump into them and they are oh I'm doing this now or I'm doing that and if, as long as you think you've played a small part in helping them on their journey, then that—that that is the most satisfying thing uh, that you can get out of it, and that it could just be because you've—you've you've connected somebody.
0: Yeah,
1: and we search her
0: down. Yeah. I, my, uh, so
1: we've been lucky with that, haven't we? With uh, with Craig Gunn uh, connecting us, and that's 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 brilliant
0: yeah and it's everything you just mentioned there man sitting back nodding and smiling and it really all does come back to by allowing to share you build your connections you build your network and you open yourself up to not only probably scrutiny like people will say that's not a good idea or whatever but they're the sort of people you may not want to be around because you want someone to be building you up that might take your idea your resource your content and make it something better than it was before that may work for them and then you can learn from that you can grow you can make it better and I believe that sharing is one of the biggest aspects of creating a positive culture. Now, that might not just be a culture at work, home, school, in sport, wherever it is, but I feel creating a supportive culture is super important. Now, I know when you talk about coaching that um, the culture is really important because without a good culture, you're not going to really be able to build the the respect, the everything else that comes with you know working as a team. So um, how important is culture firstly there, Dan? and And, and what are probably the main areas to to build a really positive reflective culture
1: well I, first of all i'm i'm delighted you've asked that question because uh we're talking about sharing and uh people come up with ideas and uh, about five six weeks ago um, um we i've got this um friend of mine colleague of mine called lisa burgess one of the great um, stars of women's rugby uh, one of the legends, in fact, has been in the, the Rugby Hall of Fame. And she interviewed a really exciting coach called Rachel Taylor, who I happen to also coach her with Welsh women. And she said, we are we make a mistake when we go into a club and we think we can change the culture. Now, when she said that, and I'm probably sh- pretty sure that you're thinking the same way as I am, is thinking, is that is that true? Well, I don't know. That, yeah. Uh, is that is that the is that the right way? I know we we talk about it, and uh, her reasons were that the culture is pretty much embedded, and you're not you're a fool if you think as a coach you can make a big difference to the culture. Now I think there, there's there's more to it in that, and it's just a me just saying a couple of sentences there, and uh, but it made me really think about what what is meant by that. Now I know that culture is uh, what we do when no one's looking. And um, how, does, how does that change? Now, one of the things that inevitably changes the culture is to change the personnel. And that's, uh, that's often a very good way of changing it very quickly. You get rid of the person or the people who are creating the, the, the cultural norms which aren't helping the team. Uh, but in the end, it doesn't mean that culture is not very important. It is absolutely vital because if the, the people within the group... Um, aren't prepared to go that extra extra mile in training or in attitude then you're probably going to be struggling and how do you get that to change and it all comes down to motivation and what is that motivation and these are these are complicated so you can see I'm I've been really disrupted by that comment and it's made me think I need to go back and see where have there been good examples of someone who's come in and completely changed a culture, and if they have, how have they done it? So uh, in answer to that is, um, I want to find out the answer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do do you think, Dan, that um, I I know that in particularly workplaces, uh, schools, sports clubs, that they do have a culture, they do have reputation and things like that. And and that you can't come in and change it. You can't go and say, right, this is my way, it's a highway. It's... I believe it's about bringing in your values um, and embedding Mm. them into their culture and finding ways for that to work and get people to buy into your values. And then that is a way that the culture shifts. Now, that's my thinking, because um, like you were just saying with that interview, that um, you may not be able to change the culture, but you can create a new aspect of that culture in a way. Does that sort of make sense with your own values? Well, I think that's exactly
1: how I'm, well, first of all, I think you've helped me answer part of my question there because one of the things that I think I've found is important is to always say to coaches, work, work on yourself before you work on your team and work up being the best that you can be because then people will follow you. And I think that if you've got a very strong set of values that you are willing to share uh, you're willing to put yourself out there and you're willing to follow. you can't if you don't live with the values, I mean what's the point? Then I think maybe you're not going to be making a seismic shift to the culture, but you're at least gonna create an atmosphere which helps the players, staff, business understand this is a way forward. So I think you're right if you if your values are hidden, Uh, or you're not revealing them to yourself then you're going to struggle to make a big change now uh, does it mean that every time you go into a situation you've got to be much bigger in personality than you really are I don't think that's the case and you probably will think back to many leaders uh, or people who've made a big influence and they haven't been the noisiest person in the room nor should do they need to be but they're the person that you then think right they seem to be doing the right things why are they doing that Ah, well that's because they do this this and this so um i think you're right it's defining culture is is one thing see if you can change it is another thing uh but the most important thing is are you being your authentic self are you being the person that you'd want other people to be and if you're that then you 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 can't be criticized for that
0: Mm, it's so true and again uh, I, I really think it comes down. To you need to practice what you preach. So it, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it doesn't. You know, like it's not just when you're in front of a crowd or when you're coaching or whatever that you believe in these values. And then you leave and you, and you go and live in a separate life and you don't actually follow those values. That you know you're preaching to everybody else because people can see through that. That's not authentic, mm. like you just said. Um, and you'll get caught out. And then that mm. has an effect on culture because people are like, "Well, you're a hypocrite. You're not actually." practicing what you're trying to get us to do Um, and i think that can have an even worse effect on culture engagement and everything because people don't trust you they don't want to be part of what you're trying to bring in so um I totally agree with that, and if somebody out there is listening and and they want to make a change or they want to do something, then you need to live that. You need to breathe it. It needs to be every part of your life because I bet you can, Dan, you can look at some of the best players you've coached and things like that, and the reason they're the best player is not because they've got a lot of followers on Instagram. It's because (laughs) they put in the work. They put in the hours outside of training, you know, Mm. to the dedication to their body, their training, their diet everything like that it really comes down to you know living breathing and doing what you vision
1: uh and uh, so for instance this girl rachel taylor uh she does all this um i she was coaching one of the under 15 teams um locally in um sorry in the, one of the regional or district uh, teams and she came down to playing quite an important match which i was refereeing and it was lovely to see her and uh uh, she said right we're going to play uh, this half a game rule uh, where everyone's got a half a game and i said well that's fantastic because this is the way that we should be going yet this was a cup game so the team that one one team just put on their best team and they changed their players according to uh, aiming to win the game which was is fine in one sense but she said right these players have travelled they're going to get half a game so she her value her value system is exactly where you'd want a coach to be and she wasn't going to break from it this is what we believe and her success and her continued success will come from that and she's she's a young coach uh, yet she's got that already now the scary thing is that it's taken me 25 years to crawl to my current value system and i'm still learning and i'm still as you say uh you you worry that you sometimes don't live up to those values so i think that again whoever's listening in is probably thinking oh do, do i always keep to my values do i make mistakes and i think the answer is probably everybody does but it's 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 that ability to be true to yourself and i've just funny ref- i was reflecting on it this morning trying to remember the guy's name it's the, the guy called garen jenkins garen jenkins i hope it's, it's certainly garen anyway he's very famous for being an iconic picture of him being gouged by some Tongan player. Uh, but he was a, he's a, very, a deeply religious man. And uh, I was with him probably about 2006. Uh, and we were just having some food before we got off and coaching. And um, I finished what I was eating. And uh, I, I got up and um, he just picked up my plate with his plate. And he, he took it over to the the canteen staff and said, oh, thank you very much for the meal. And we just went about our business, and he did it without fuss. and I thought, right, just a moment, it's just about being polite, respecting everybody around you. And uh, another incident a uh, guy, I, if you haven't spoken to him, you should do. You've probably come across him, John Fletcher or Fletch uh, from the Magic Academy. Uh, again, uh, I remember at a training session uh, watching England under 18s, they'd love sharing those guys and um he was just walking back to the kit to grab a ball i think and he can't have known anyone was watching he it was slight drizzle this is wales remember so it rains most of the time (laughs) and saw he saw uh uh, one of the players trainers were getting wet so he just turned them upside down so the rain fell on the uh, soles and they just wandered off now he, w- No one will know that he did it, apart from I just happened to catch him doing it. So these are the things that make the difference. Uh, and they make the difference in the smallest ways. And you probably will remember people doing small things like that. And they make far more difference than um, a lecture or a training session. That one moment when that person says, smiles, gives you the thumbs up, says... Yeah, you're doing a good job. Keep doing it. Those are the things that should make a difference. And if only we could do that hundreds of times a day, we would be uh, we would be the best coaches that we'd we'd want to be.
0: Yeah, and I, I. So true, and what it all really comes down to is life lessons, you know. And it comes back to that coach in the coach in the cup game, I reckon, Dan. That you know, you may have they may have lost the game, but it's the life lessons that you know values that everybody gets a half because they travelled. That that's uh, you know, this uh, allowing these kids to be lifelong learners, and that it in at the end of the day, in a year's time, that cup game or when they're an adult, it doesn't mean anything. Mm. You know, it doesn't that doesn't matter. It's not going to change the person they are. But that life lesson that no. This is what we do. Everybody gets a half. The other team may not do it, but that's the values we believe in. You know, that's allowing our kids, our young adults to be lifelong learners, to be good people, to be kind, to be compassionate, empathetic, all these different things that we try and tell people to be. But the only way they're going to get it is by watching and viewing what other people around them do. Like with Fletch turning over the shoes, like with um, the mate like taking up the plates. You know, these are lessons about building culture and surrounding yourself with people like that and and that's what I feel that it comes down to engagement and I know this is a buzzword and, and our good mate Craig Gunn loves talking about this all the time as well. but <laughs> engagement comes from people want to buying into somebody else's beliefs or the view that this person is doing a good thing and I want to be like that and that builds engagement. what What's the engagement to you Dan?
1: Well again it is one of those buzzwords and uh, there is a great danger that uh, it gets then lost. In, it loses its meaning, its power, when we start to use it too often. And I know that that's that's not what Craig or you or we're not we're not about that. But then it can easily go that way. So engagement for me is creating a motivation to want to listen and want to make a small change in your life. Uh, that, that sounds that sounds quite um, quite deep. Uh, in a sense to make a small change in life but that's what learning is because learning is committing something into your working memory which is going to be something that next time this happens this is what i'm going to do and why are you going to be doing that because you've got to be open and engagement in itself is not learning but it is being prepared to learn and there are lots and lots of different ways to do it Uh, and one of the things is you've got to convince somebody that they are gonna learn something from it. Now, uh, one of the great ways to do it is obviously through, again, they get a bit of a bad press sometimes, is the icebreaker, the engaging game, uh, which gets people excited about what they're gonna do. And they're gonna say, well, just a moment, I'm really enjoying this, so I'm prepared to listen to this person. So that's that's important. Uh, But again, it comes back to this, again, overused word of authenticity. When I'm going to listen to this person in front of me, are they being something which is themselves, or are they? I'm not sure if this is going to get bleeped out. Um, are they just? Uh, is it a whole load of bullshit? Yeah. And uh, we all know bullshitters, uh, but we're also scared that someone is actually um, f- fluffing up something which is not really, not really real. And uh, when that's when that happens and then it fails to happen the next time that you say, oh, I've got this great idea. Here are kids. Oh, it's not working. Oh, that person's talking absolute rubbish. They don't know what they're talking about. So engagement is important. And it is one of the stages of igniting, creating uh, someone's openness to say, I'm going to make a change. The key thing is then to say, now I've engaged you, I've actually got to give something which is gonna make a difference. So engagement has to be very clear on where you're going. Now, again, I know that bit. Uh, The difficulty is then finding the the next words or the next actions to make it effective. And I know that you're working a lot in this area with some really interesting coaches and really interesting ideas. So it's exciting to see how you've put this to the forefront of what you're doing and how it's making a difference. So, I mean, I'm, inevitably, I want to ask you some questions on it and to see why. <laughs> because, I mean, some of the things that you're doing have come across, uh, come across the ditch uh, over to us. And we are uh, taking these things on and saying, great, let's, let's use this. And it is making a difference.
0: Yeah, well, and I think the big thing you just said there with uh, engagement is that, um, and I call this... A connection before content because if you can't build yep. connections with people and make them feel safe make them you know that we are going to learn today and want to learn then you can't start teaching any content and i think too often we don't build those relationships um before mm. we start delivering and and you'll know better than anyone down that you walk into a new room nobody knows you you may be there to present but you haven't uh impressed anybody yet you haven't shown them a side of yourself or a reason to listen so that's where and i know an icebreaker it's a Really, uh, for some reason, it's a bad name, and I think too often it's because people do it in a wrong way. You know, there's mm. too often. Oh, we'll go around the circle. Hi, I'm Dan from Wales. Hi, I'm Dale from Melbourne. That's an ice maker because no one's listening. That is just absolute junk. That that, mm. that an ice breaker isn't where you put the limelight on one person and make them stand up in front of everyone. That's an ice maker. That is absolute rubbish. So for, for me, I ice, like that. It, I like
1: that ice maker. It, and I, I just bring on that to um, is that. In the teaching world, uh, I've sat I've sat in um, some teacher insets on the other side, and the thing is, oh, no, an icebreaker. And <laughs> the uh, three-quarters of the room think, oh, God, what's he going to make? He's going to make us balance a stick on our nose, or we're going to have to <laughs> hug each other, or we're going to have to go, do, do this and do that. And it, it does, it turns off, so it's got to be appropriate for the moment, for the people, and for the for where, where you're going up going on and uh, the thing is that it you've got to be quite clear on what some of the benefits uh of doing this are so you this is this i mean craig will be uh chuckling to himself here that sort of safe space that people feel in they feel comfortable in there it doesn't happen because you've done an icebreaker it happens because you've used a technique which is appropriate to the group of people who are in front of you? Who are then going to say, "Yeah, actually, this person might, just might, tell me something which is worth listening to."
0: Yeah, and so true, so true. There, Dan. And, them- yeah, I, I suppose the big thing is there that you just it allows you to tell a story or or to show a side of yourself that you may you can do it through game and people will understand because you're playing and that's mm. the power of that human connection and the socializing that comes into that that that's when people are listening it's not when you uh, go through your credentials or say it at the start mm. it's what they take out of your personality your energy um, and mm. what you're putting across in that game so it's really powerful isn't it?
1: Mm. And uh, it's also you've got to be I say you've got to be a bit of a larger self than, than you are uh, but also you've got to just socializing uh, socialization I, i'm not sure of the exact the exact word and probably you might be able to help me out on that but it is making that human connection uh, as quickly as possible and uh, a lot of coaches will say over the years they'll do things like they'll get there a bit earlier and they'll just go in and say hi how are you um wh- wh- where, where have you come from what what are you doing they shake hands and then they find out about people and they they break down those barriers very quickly So when it actually comes to the start, they say, right, well, I was talking to Fred before we started, and um, I know the weather in this part of the world is, these things are, they're very simple to do, yet it's very easy for us just to breeze in and say, well, listen to me, because I'm I'm the great I am, I'm going to do a great icebreaker, it's going to be great fun, and actually, five or six people are going to love it, and then another ten people are going to be going, oh, not not another icebreaker, but if you've... uh, (laughs) if you've um i mean it's just simple questions um and one of the things if i if i think one of the things i do well is i find out a lot about people very quickly uh, i've got a terrible memory for names and that's sort of thing but i will try and find out their names early on because that's very powerful um and then if i can't remember their name i will say i'm um, look i'm gonna i think your name's mike but it could be tim and then you make a joke, you make light of it because you are going to get there eventually. Yeah, and that uh, and that makes uh, that makes a massive difference. I can't even remember what the question was in the first place. so I went <laughs> off on the went off on one there. there. was some benefit in what I said there somewhere?
0: It uh, definitely was, and I, it's so true that uh, by opening yourself up and wanting to learn about others, and I think that is that breaks down barriers as well. And, and I, Icebreaker, it's got a dirty reputation, a bad name. So if you can call it something else, if people are out there, call it a connection starter, call it, just mm. just don't even give it a name. I don't even say we're going to do anything. I just say, stand up, here we go, we're getting into it. Um, because mm. then you don't give people the opportunity to already get a negative connotation about, oh, here we mm. go again, you know? And, and that's what mm. people do. So Dan, where do you find the time, mate? You've got books out there. You've got this huge online resource. How do you find the time to fit it all in, mate?
1: Uh, well, the answer is uh, no. I don't find the time. I it's uh, I've got my work life balance completely wrong at the moment, <laughs> and uh, I, it's uh, one of the fascinating things about uh, Twitter or Facebook, as honestly, is that people pick, put up pictures of their lives, and you think oh, I want some of that life, and then you realise that uh, you haven't got enough time for your own life, <laughs> and it's. The, the, the difficulty is is trying to find the space. And one of the things, again, um, a couple of conversations um, in the last few weeks uh, have led me to think very deeply about leisure and what leisure means and um, how we can measure it. And it is... You, you don't you don't ever you never have enough time i think you said earlier on you never you never have enough time to do all the things you want and therefore you've got to be able to give yourself some time uh stephen covey in his seven seven something seven laws of something or other about better management or better um being better people is uh, well the only one i can remember is uh, sharpen the saw which means that you've got to be You've got to be fit. You've got to be well. You've got to be well in your mind. And that means you have to look after yourself. And you do have to take time off. You do have to move away from Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. I don't even know what how Instagram works, uh, which shows <laughs> how old I am. But it it is also to spend time outside uh, coaching. And one of the things I've tried to do more recently is read, read a lot more uh, just outside. And it's amazing what... You learn from reading books, which are absolutely nothing to do with coaching. So in, in, in answer to your question is that uh, very lucky to be involved with teaching, learning. Uh, but most importantly, and it sounds a bit... Um, I'm trying to think of the, the right word without swearing. It sounds a bit soft, really. But being involved with people, mm. um, because that's the most exciting part of it. And meeting people, and I, I just... When you ask me the question, give me a bit of a potted history about you. Uh, I'm actually, I think I'm more interested in other people. I'm quite happy to talk about myself, but I'm more interested in the way that they lead their lives, what they do, how they get there, what what they enjoy, why they enjoy it. Uh, because then, for some reason, I sort of lap that up and uh, find great energy from that. And I know people have, uh, will have um, a whole heap of problems Uh, they've got to deal with and there are some great sadnesses out there uh but there's also some great joys and one of the things i think again in the last six months i've come back to think about something that um very inspirational person that i've i've met and spoken to and written some great books is a a lady called lynn kidman and uh, she was at the forefront of writing out and putting down on paper everything there is to know about athlete-centred coaching. She spent a long time interviewing people like Wayne Smith. And um, she talked about sports, the joy of movement. And I've thought a lot about that recently. And the more that I watch it, I don't really mind about the score. I just think, oh, that was amazing what they've just done there, the way they've done that. And when you see clips, again, on social media – Uh, Sometimes it's a great score, but actually it's often somebody doing something amazing with a pass, a kick, um, a a sidestep in soccer, maybe uh, fooling somebody with a feint or in basketball, a great pass. These are the things, actually, these are the moments which we should celebrate. And as coaches, really, I suppose what we should allow players to do is to realise that they've just done something amazing, which they maybe have done before or they've just done a little bit differently and if you can create that that for me is uh is the big difference so i know your original question is how do i find time and the answer is i don't <laughs> but what i've what i'm trying to do more and more is to make a little bit more time for me to think about other things in my life and obviously uh i'm extremely lucky i've uh with uh the family i've got and so you've got to just you got to remember that they're they're there and the one of the things which i i know I'm rambling a little bit but i i do worry about coaches who are spending every night out coaching uh, every weekend with their teams and actually they've got another life which goes on as well and especially the professional coaches who are away for long long periods of time this is this is hard because what what is what is life about and and I think it's about connecting with people and talking to people and uh, finding uh, joy in friendships and just being able to share a moment which is a moment of joy or a moment of sadness because often they can then just say to you, uh, well, that's great, Dan, or have you thought about this or how do you feel about that? And uh, so they say it's a problem shared as a problem halved, and I know it's... <laughs> It's it's not necessarily true, but it can feel like that. And the, these are you're reinventing yourself all the time, and you've got to reinvent yourself, and you've got to be a little bit better than you were before. What does that better look like? Well, I, if I'm a if I'm a better coach next year, that'd be brilliant. But I don't know what that coach is going to look like. And I don't know what uh, the what the website will look like or what we're going to do. And we're we're trying to do more and more different things, uh, speak to different coaches, just get out there and say, ask coaches, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? What's going to help you? And uh, sometimes it's asset led or market led. So asset led is uh, we've got a great product. We talk about coaching. So uh, listen to us and sometimes market led. And we're going to say, what do you need? And I don't think we all know what we need, but we might be able to give us uh, a bit of a clue on, uh, on the direction.
0: Mm, I, there's so many things you were just saying there. I know I did ask about also the resources and, and the website and stuff, but the one thing I just took away from all everything you just mentioned there, Dan, is I think too often we can get caught up coaching in our business, in our life, that we're so busy building something or we're so busy creating something that we actually forget to live. We actually forget to mm. live our life. And um, that sort of relates back, and uh, you've probably given me the answer in everything you just mentioned there. Even though you were r- rambling, that was there was so many key takeaways that I absolutely loved about that. Now, I always like to get this little bit of feedback at the end of the podcast. And if you could look back to eighteen-year-old Dan and from everything you've done over the years, give yourself one bit of advice. So, if you from everything you've just mentioned before and learnt, and uh, from your coaching, teaching, economics, everything like that, if you could give your eighteen-year-old self one bit of advice, what would that be? <sighs>
1: Yeah I think that well first of all uh, and I always say to the people I do podcasts is don't ever say uh, that's a great question Uh, (laughs) um, so but I'm going to break that rule because I'm I'm allowed to because I'm on the other end that is a great question and probably uh, that could uh, eat me up for eat me up for years because I look at my 80 I remember my 80 year old self and uh, there were some good things but a lot of things which I'd love to change uh, about the way I was I mean Um, I think I thought I was a lot lot better at everything than I really was so I suppose if I if I had to reflect on what I could have um, could have done is probably is To actually work hard at what I believed in rather than just believe I was going to do it and there is Unfortunately, there is no way around it. You have to work hard at things which then brings me on to one of the books which I found most, uh, one of the best books I've read. And uh, when, it, when you say you have read a book, have you have you read the have you has anyone ever read these books cover to cover? And I look at my shelf now in front of me and I think, well, oh, I've read that book cover to cover. But most of them I haven't. But there's a really good book called Obliquity, and it's by a guy called K. I can't remember what his first name is. I want to say Peter K, but it, it's not him, the comedian. Um, <laughs> and well the the, the the premise is that um happiness comes not from seeking happiness, it comes from hard work and work and doing things that you believe in. And really you will you will know this that sometimes you will have had a very busy week which you've really enjoyed and someone said uh will say to you down, you've worked really hard this week and you'll say, uh, no I haven't. I've really enjoyed it and uh what you've enjoyed actually is probably working very hard, but the satisfaction uh, coming out of it is is unbelievable. I, and that that is, if you can find that, that's great. But also sometimes you've got to do the the plumbing in a in your in your life. And uh, people will laugh if they know me. So how I'm, how little I know about DIY, <laughs> but what I mean by the plumbing is that you've got to do the stuff which goes underneath uh, the, the the legs of the duck uh the the iceberg not not that i'm a great fan of the iceberg analogy because icebergs crumble over time and they uh they they melt but the the thing is that um i don't think i did enough of the plumbing when i was 18 and i should have said right work harder at the things that you believe in because then more things will happen which you want to happen and I don't know how I would have changed at the time, but that's what I would say to myself. Ooh, so on, that was, yeah. a great, was a great, a great, it was a great, great question. Uh, and John Betcherman said uh, that, um, well, it wasn't John Betcherman. I, I know what John Betcherman said on his deathbed. He said, "I wish I'd had more sex." Um, <laughs> but uh, I think someone else said on their deathbed, "This is not. That's not." The, said that uh, no one's ever going to regret they didn't work hard enough. Uh, but I think uh, the regret will probably be that you don't put enough energy into the things which matter. Mm. Um, and the danger is that you spend a day and you can waste time f- uh, mucking around in the in the margins when really you need to get stuck into the uh, the meat so there's about four metaphors mixed uh, mixed in together <laughs> I-, can I only
0: write <laughs> I'm just sitting here smiling because um, I can relate to a lot of the things you just mentioned there and thinking back about, you know, busy weeks or the things you get caught up on or the things you're focusing on. And at the end of the day, um, you do waste a lot of time. And you, uh, when you do find something you love, you absolutely enjoy it. And it doesn't feel like work. And um, so, Dan, so many metaphors, mate. I did really enjoy that. So um, at the end of this today, when people get off, where's the best place to find you, mate?
1: Well, the, the the site that um, is the business is Rugby Coach Weekly. So if you type that into Google, uh, or just even Rugby Coaching, you, you should be uh, we should be at the top of the rankings or somewhere around there because we've been going for such a long time. I mean, nearly as long as Google's been going. So that's that. Uh, otherwise, um, you can follow me on Twitter. And uh, I'm not sure what my hand but I think it's at Dan underscore Cottrell. And no one can spell Cottrell, uh, but it's C-O-T-T-R-E-L-L. Uh, so they can follow me on that. Uh, but uh, I'm always open to talking to people. It's like, like you. It's, it's one of the great joys of being in this business is, uh, and I say business with inverted commas because it's uh, it's not really a business in some ways. Is that you just get chance to talk to lots of different people. And the other thing is, I would, if I had to give any advice to anybody who is uh, listening in, not that you'd asked if I'm going to give some, but I am going to give it because <laughs> I've got the, I've got the microphone, yeah, I've got go the talking it. stick. From, um, <laughs> it's actually follow pe- follow people you disagree with, um, and follow uh, and listen to. Uh, areas of what you are interested in where you think they're going to actually say something different because it's very easy to get lost in a bubble Mm. and uh, I find this particularly in economics when I'm involved uh, talking about that is it's very easy just to say oh yes I like this I like this I like this actually just keep being challenged and prepare to be open open to that because either it will solidify what you're thinking or it might just uh, take you on a, on a different angle. So there we are. I just gave you advice for those who uh, uh, were expecting a bit more advice.
0: <laughs> uh, Dan, I absolutely love that, mate. And I'll have links in the show notes to obviously uh, rugbycoachingweekly.net and also your Twitter handle where you can reach out. And, and contact Dan after today because, mate, I know we're going to talk about coaching and there's a few things that um, we spoke about before we didn't even get to. Mm. But I think... So many of the metaphors and sort of life lessons that we spoke about today can be adapted to any form of life. Any age can start living and breathing those today to not only bring happiness to their life, but the people around them. So mate, thank you so much for your time and um, for listeners out there. I stuffed everything up with our first previous time with time zones and everything like that. So I'm, I'm putting it out there that I, I am really grateful for the reschedule, mate. And uh, yeah, for your time today and the great work you're doing, Dan. Hopefully we can uh, bump up one day in uh, person, mate. But uh, that was awesome today. So thank you very much
1: dale thanks very much and i'm looking forward to you, to you coming on to my podcast because I, I i i was only got a chance to ask you one question you dodged it straight away <laughs> so i desperate oh, i've got a whole whole bunch of questions to ask you because uh, there's so many exciting things which uh, you're involved in so i was very honored to be on the other side of the the podcast um microphone so thank you very much for the opportunity
0: oh, my pleasure. i look forward to it buddy thanks mate